As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Thank you so much for joining us in this week's episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. I have the distinct pleasure of sitting across from Jill Meyer, President and CEO of the Cincinnati USA Regional Chamber. Jill, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So, Joe, as we're interviewing guests, we are interviewing visionaries, we are interviewing leaders who have had significant impacts on our region and the world around us. And it is a pleasure to have you here as you have been at the forefront of the big things happening in our region as it relates to talent, inclusion, transportation, and just regional transformation and elevating our region to one of the world's best places to live, work, and play. So thank you for working so hard with you and your team and your board. I know it takes a complete army of volunteers and committed soldiers to really make big things happen. So thank you for your leadership. Thank you for that, Mike. And I will tell you, I share with people all the time that I think I have the best job on the planet because of the leaders and the people who are surrounding me in so many different places right now. So thank you for, for framing that. Absolutely. So one of the things that we want to discuss was the role of the Cincinnati Chamber, USA Regional Chamber, in our region as we move things forward. What do you see as the role of your organization and its role to make our region the best place in the world? Sure. So I'll start with our stated mission, and then I want to talk a little bit about who and where we serve. Every great organization needs their core mission and to keep track of everything they're doing. Ours is to grow the vibrancy and economic prosperity of the region. And those two phrases, words, were chosen very carefully because you do not get economic prosperity without a vibrant region to attract and keep people And you are not going to have people wanting to come unless you have some economic prosperity for all Mm -hmm. happening. So that's the framework that guides all of our work. And on the who do we serve, we are, as you said in the name, regional and intentionally in that keeping that word in our name because we serve the 15-county MSA. That is Southwest Ohio, Northern Kentucky, and Southeast Indiana. That is critically important to how we view and execute all of our work, because within that geographic footprint, you have all kinds of opportunities, you have all kinds of landscapes, you have all kinds of people, and all kinds of histories and futures that hopefully are tied more closely together. Mm. So if you were to take out the map of the country, we really look at that widespread MSA and say, how do we take this whole region? And what are the big pieces that we need to think of and we need to build so that this region can thrive in all of the different ways that it already is Mm. is doing very well? Yeah. That's outstanding. And really messaging that and building a story and building the story brand for our region Mm -hmm. to be elevated in the ways that I know the partnership with Source Cincinnati and Ready and the port 
and all these various organizations that are coming together as a collaboration to make our region so strong. It's absolutely right. And when I came to the chamber a little over three years ago, we had an intentional conversation with board, with people on our team, and with folks at other chambers within our region's footprint to say to them, how important is this regional outlook? Should we be more focused? Should we zero in on certain core economic areas? Or what is that conversation? Without hesitation, everyone, even those who are focused on particular parts within the bigger region, emphasize the utmost importance of having an organization that is looking at the whole Mm -hmm. with full appreciation for what happens in the various pieces. But to keep that broader lens on it is just critically important. So, Joe, I was born and raised in Covington Mm -hmm. with a family business as a child in Cincinnati. So I've grown up a natural regionalist, right? You know, I commented literally when I, as soon as I could get my driver's license or temps, I'd be heading across the Roebling to go up Vine to go to my mom and dad's office. So I do not see the divide. And I am encouraged by and energized by efforts like this that, of course, we have to make it regional. So for those listening who don't think about or are afraid to cross the Great Divide, you know, we started an initiative with Leadership Northern Kentucky and Leadership Cincinnati several years ago called Both Shores. Mm-hmm. And again, trying to shrink shrink the divide because so many of – I mean, almost every business does business across the region, right? Yes. And people live – their lives. If you live in Cincinnati, you do a lot in Northern Kentucky. And if you live in Northern Kentucky, you do a lot in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. There are similar conversations. If you live in the Northern Burbs, you know, if you live in Mason, how connected are you to downtown or to Covington? And it's really important not to say that everybody has to hang out and know the intricacies, but to appreciate what's happening, be aware of, and really take more ownership of the region as a whole, even though you can have feet on the soil in a particular neighborhood or a particular part thereof and love that place and stand proud, more and more people are appreciating that those pieces are made better when you look at the region as a whole and really focus on how to grow the big pie itself. Yeah. Yeah. We have a previous episode with Candace McGraw, Mm -hmm. and we were discussing her impact and your impact. And we had a previous episode with Brent Cooper and his impact. We have leaders in the right positions who are trying to, let's get rid of the, you know, we want to honor the history, but we need to get rid of the barriers of the history that the history created. And so many very important leaders are in the right place at the right time to do just that. Absolutely right. And Candace McGraw is such a great example. I joke all the time, Candace is everybody's favorite person. It's not actually a joke. But part of the reason is because Candace does not see any of this. She fully appreciates where the opportunities are and how they differ. But does none of those are anything other than just different pieces of the same puzzle. And as more and more people start making the Cincinnati region their home, we're finding that same mentality tends to be carried by those who have been here, like you, like me, for generations. More people are ingrained in their neighborhood or their piece in that pie. As we are adding population, people just don't see it. They fully appreciate what's good and what's opportunistic and and really how you have to value the different pieces for what they bring to the table. Yeah, and we have – so Centennial, our search firm, represents organizations in 16 different countries. 13 of those – 
also have presence in the greater Cincinnati region, hmm. which is how we got introduced to these family and privately held businesses from all over the world. The leaders from other countries, we have an incredible amount of international talent in this marketplace. Yes, we do. And we, our firm, has had the opportunity over the years to represent leaders from all over the world. And they don't see it. And in fact, they see all of our strengths. I was with a leader just a couple days ago who shared that, and he's a big art, he travels the world to see opera houses and symphonies. And he said, it's one of the things of why I never want to leave Cincinnati, because the accessibility here to all of the fine arts, and he's been very involved in the most recent Arts Wave campaign, and he's just fully committed to the arts. When he joined here, he was a corporate executive that had blinders on. And then he started realizing all of these aspects of this is how we need to leverage talent. In fact, I believe he sits on your board, Mehmet Yuksik. Yes, um, he did until until he recently left. Until recent separation. And, you know, Mehmet's been a very dear friend since the first week he landed in the United States. Mm -hmm. And he has embraced the value of attracting talent through the ways that our region has. Mm -hmm. And still, over the weekend, he may travel to Madrid, to an opera house. But he always knows where his new home is and the opportunity here. So let's talk a little bit about some of the regional topics of talent, transportation, and inclusion, how important these three components are. I know there's a lot of effort and team and leadership and board focus on these three areas that all we believe are not just regional topics. I mean, these are national topics, global topics even. But let's talk a little bit about, start with transportation and walk us through the initiative of the Connected Region, connectedregion.com. Sure. I will start with that and I'll warn you, it's going to take me up for a minute to talent. What we know and what you know, given your business, is that we live in an era where jobs follow talent. Talent's not following jobs. Underscoring the critical importance of making our places, places where people want to be, can be accessible, where they want to have a great job. but They also want to live, and they want to live easily, and they want to live in an exciting, interesting, global way. And when you look at our region, we have a heck of a lot to offer people, certainly on the job front. We have a tremendous global collection of phenomenal companies, big, small, everything in between. So check. We got that. And we'll always take more, of course, our ready team and Triad and others are constantly working on that, which is great. But what we know when we look at the talent piece, what are some of those infrastructure pieces, just chunk things that we need to make sure we have to make sure we can continue growing. A huge outage across our region is transportation infrastructure. And I'm talking about all pieces of that from how do we carry raw materials and finished goods to how do I get from your office to my home? The connected region is the amalgamation of the vision of the future of transportation for our region. And not to make it sound like it's, you know, the flying cars and the super futuristic, though that is part of it. That would be very nice. (laughs) Um, But the connected region takes a look at all of the pieces and says, we have to invest more in transit because our people are landlocked in a lot of places. We have to do that with a focus on the future of transportation, truly. How is technology impacting how we get around? 
we have to really focus on what works for people. What works for you probably isn't what works for me. And if I have to drop off kids in the morning or run out at noon to check on an elderly parent or any of the millions of things that people have to incorporate into their day, we have to have options that allow people to do that and to still be at their job and be at their home when they need to be. We need to stay focused on things like our bridges and our roads, which it's a national thing as well. These are expensive to Mm -hmm. keep up. And as we continue to grow in population, we have to open up new areas. And how do we make all of these places accessible to people and to businesses to make sure that that's flowing? So the connected region is that regional vision to bring everyone together into the same conversation, including our elected officials. So when we talk about the different pockets, whether it's suburban conversation or the different pieces of our urban core or more rural areas, all of those places have different townships or cities or just different government structures. And everybody has to be swimming in the same direction Mm -hmm. in that conversation for it really to be a regional system Mm -hmm. and not just pieces thereof. We have pieces thereof right now and pieces that are woefully underfunded to be able to serve the populations. Mm -hmm. They're fragmented. They're not kept up of no fault of the operators. It's where we as a community and in some regard as a nation, but really as a community have chosen to fund, we have chosen to not fund transportation and infrastructure in a way that it needs to be done. Are there any pilot projects or efforts underway that you can speak of and share? Um, A number of them. Probably the most exciting one to talk about is one we launched one year ago-ish, one year plus, called the Cincinnati Mobility Lab. And what that is, is Uber's only mobility lab in the world. And it's a tremendous opportunity, both for our region, as well as for Uber, who is, as we know, on the cutting edge of transportation and how people move around. And what they did at our invitation was came to town and met with the folks at Sorda and met with the folks at Tank and met with folks at the city in the counties and really just to understand where are our economies, where are our people and where are our outages. And we asked them to focus on the people side. If we have transit systems right now, that first and last mile, getting people to the bus, getting people off of the bus, how do we do better and how can we think about that in a more creative, forward-thinking way? Mm -hmm. Uber is here. They're here for a few years. They are investing heavily in helping us figure this out. And they have a number of work streams. It's not just limited to transit. They're working with businesses. They're working with the city of Cincinnati on any number of issues of impacts of transportation-related challenges, so how we could think about those things differently and thereby free up different resources or make things flow a little more easily. I can tell you Cincinnati is the envy of literally the world in the cities that are focused on those pieces. We get asked all of the time, and I know as soon as it was announced, the team at Uber was asked, how can we get one of those the only mobility lab is here in the Cincinnati wow. region. Did they reach out to us? Did we proactively reach out to them and make a business case pitch, a human Yeah, it was pitch? a proactive outreach. In fact, Mary Miller, mm-hmm. who I know you know with Jancoa, mm-hmm. she had an opportunity to become acquainted with a senior leader at Uber 
and sits on our transportation team. She also sits on the board for SORTA. And she introduced a couple of people at the chamber to the folks at Uber. And what our team did was just led them through everything we're exploring and then said to them, why don't you help us figure out this piece? Because what Uber, I'm sure, knew already, but we're not the only city struggling with this. A lot of areas around the country have underinvested in their people movers, and that's really posing serious economic challenges. Those cities that are growing economically, those areas of the country that are the ones with the most rapid economic growth, are the ones who have invested in transportation infrastructure. Mm, That's wonderful. Yeah, Mary and I had a great conversation in episode 34 on changes, dreams, and taking leaps of faith. She is a phenomenal person. And I would say this is another move in her, an impact that any leader listening can have on the boards that you sit and have on our community around you if you're just willing to pick up a phone and utilize the connections that you have been gifted with. Yeah. I mean, it's sometimes the things that if you think about it twice, it can make a huge difference. This is a perfect example. Mary met the guy thought enough about it to say, hey, chamber friends, do you want to meet this guy? Our team said yes and pounced on it. And now we're hopefully making the rest as we keep moving forward. Wow. Wow. What a great move. In terms of transportation, you just mentioned that the fastest growing economies are tend to be the economies investing in transportation, which is, it is a way to connect talent and build cities and build organizations. And we know that there's a lot of companies in our region as well as other regions that in one hand are struggling. I'll have to put a little asterisk next to this, that there are also a lot of organizations winning. Absolutely. And we tend to focus on the ones that are struggling because it gets news around talent. However, there are some very proactive organizations who have been the solution builders for themselves in this region and abroad and are doing outstanding of attracting talent. I mean, we do a lot of relocations to Cincinnati. It's one of the places it seems like a lot of executives love to move for many reasons. But what are some of the topics of, I know we talked a little bit about the Workforce Innovation Center. Mm -hmm. And then there, I know there's a couple others I'd like to have you reference yeah. to our audience. Yeah, and let me start where you left off. The need for talent in our community, I don't pose as a struggle or something that's killing us. What I know to be true is that we have wonderful talent. We're attracting phenomenal talent. We have companies that are magnets for talent. Absolutely. And what we need to do as a community is now put the other pieces around that so we can get even more. Because our businesses, the ones that are doing just fine and all the others will grow if we have more people here. And so it's our obligation to complement our community in a way that allows those businesses to continue to grow the talent. So it's not as if we're saying, well, let us fix these pieces so that you can get talent. It's let us continue building these missing pieces so that your talent pipeline that's already flowing just blows it out of the water. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'd like to start. But then getting serious that there are certain areas where we know we need more talent or where we have talent but the talent is not being connected or trained to be connected to the right jobs that are open. So let me talk about it in two different components. On the one hand, and we talk about this more in our attraction strategy, how do you get more people to move here? What our talent team will tell you is what they know, what you know, because you're in this space. People are at their most mobile when they're in those 
fresh out of college, mm-hmm. few years beyond that. We need to not only get more of those people first, we need to keep them. Connect them. Yes. Keep them here and give them every reason, even if they came for job number one, that they will stay for job number two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight, wherever they land. Instead of saying, my time in Cincinnati was great, and now I'm going to move to a different city. We have a lot of opportunity to keep them. Mm -hmm. So that's how we talk about it in the one capacity. And we've started all sorts of different external-facing, outward pieces to just draw more people in and to really grab hold of them. The other piece, and you mentioned the Workforce Innovation Center, which is just a super opportunity for us right now. We have a lot of people, even with low unemployment rates, historic lows, we have a lot of people in our community who are either underemployed or, as I like to say, they're overemployed and they're not making enough money to make ends meet. Why is this happening? I think it's happening because as a community, we have lots and lots of programs doing a lot of training, whether it's soft skill training or actual the skill that you need for particular jobs. And then we have a tremendous number of employers with open jobs in places where they could use folks like that, and they're not connected. And so on the heels of what I would call some pretty darn good pilot programs that have happened at the Beacon of Hope, where they're employing returning citizens, or Cincinnati Works Workforce Connections Program, where they've come up with a solution of putting coaches in the workplace to help some of the employees who maybe have never had a full-time job or have some other life needs that we don't want to prevent them from keeping their full-time job. Mm -hmm. What we're doing is partnering at the Chamber. We've launched the Workforce Innovation Center, which is intended to be a one-stop for employers who are saying, I have fill in the blank, X number of open jobs at sort of that beginning and just starting to climb level. I'm open to exploring, working with a whole new population of people Mm -hmm. willing to look in places where I don't typically look. And you tell me who those people are. What our innovation center then will do is on one hand, work with the employer to make sure they and their teams are ready and are at a place to be able to take this step. But then on the other hand, reach out into this wonderful ecosystem we have of lots of different providers and trainers to figure out which ones are really the right ones for this particular organization, taking the guesswork out of it for the employers. You know this, I know this. If you're an employer, especially at a rapidly growing, you don't have time to figure out spaghetti. Mm-hmm. You have a need, you need it filled. So putting on the employer lens, we are going into the landscape of opportunities and saying we have X number of employers or X number of job openings with these kinds of skills. Give them to us. We have employers ready, and then we'll work together very closely with the Workforce Connections Program, closely with Beacon of Hope, and the other programs, Urban League, CAA, any number of them. I don't want to leave anybody out, but to make sure this works. And at the end of the day, if done right, we have driven through the business lens, not only a solution to allow our businesses to grow and thereby fuel our economy here, but we've also done it in a way that strategically gets more people into full-time jobs that bring them to financial Mm self-sustainability. Excellent. 
Excellent. Yeah. And so many of the efforts, we've talked a lot about poverty and the responsibility that employers can have in that conversation. We've talked a lot about being very inclusive. And Mm -hmm. that means thinking, you mentioned earlier, what approaches are we taking might not be all of the approaches we could take. And this can be a solution to help open eyes up. I never thought of that. We're very involved and have been longtime supporters of Cincinnati Works and the work that they're doing to align coaches. We have clients of ours that have coaches on mm-hmm. site now. Mm-hmm. And there's also funding available to help you get those coaches. Absolutely. And then I know we also have spent a great deal of time. I'm a big fan of all of the work that Janice Urbanic uh, has done over yeah. the many years. She's laid a tremendous foundation. And we spoke about the work she is doing now and the work that Mardia Shans is doing mm-hmm. and are very thankful for just the education So for our listeners, part of our work at the Talent Magnet Institute is to help bring you solutions that you might not be thinking about on your own and to connect you with leaders and resources to help you go, wow, I never thought about that. Have any of us thought about that? And what can our part be in the broader and kind of take our lenses off a little bit outside our four walls of our manufacturing facility or distribution plant or family and privately held business and really think about, one, who we're employing beyond just the leadership team Mm -hmm. and how can we honor that and how do we serve the people that we employ and also how do we get creative to be a solution provider? Amen. And it's a whole different conversation in our community right now, thankfully, that we have business leaders who not only appreciate the need and the impact on the economy and the local community to get more people into financial self-sustainability, but more who are looking at this inclusive capitalism opportunity to realize it's not only the right thing to do, it's really good for business. The more people that you can employ and help pull out of whatever their situation might be, this actually is good for business. And there's morale and there's loyalty and there's productivity and there are all the good pieces that come along with it. And I would say, you know, based on everything that I'm looking at and what we're doing here, the inclusive capitalism approach to doing business, making sure you're doing your part, is the future. Mm -hmm. And we are fortunate that we have business leaders in town who are pushing us to get out way ahead of this. Mm. And I think that you will see our community be a national leader in how you, as an entire business community, adopt an inclusive capitalism approach to business and just make it the way we do things here. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's an energy level. Just recently, I was having a discussion with Edward Go on a Saturday afternoon. We were planning a big event that this episode will come out right before with the Gearing Center. Uh And there's a team of us that uh, we're talking about a topic, a program, and we're going to do following on to the big event you had last year for inclusive capitalism, Mm -hmm. a Gearing Center event on inclusive capitalism. And again, the effort is how do we get family owned and privately held business? which make up a great deal of our economy, aware of these topics beyond large corporations that we're so thankful that they're leading the way and putting millions and millions of dollars into efforts like these. And how do we get the middle market and the small market thinking about, wow, I only have 10 employees, but I could make a difference. Or I have 350 employees Mm -hmm. and I could make a difference. And so we encourage those listening at the time of this episode, May 16th, 2019, 
we have an event with the Garing Center, and then I'm certain there's going to be lots of additional events and education opportunities and just articles to read about. And certainly I know that Jill and myself would be more than happy and our teams would to encourage you of what does this mean if you want to unpack this more for your place of work. Yeah, absolutely. We've already been in conversation with lots of our members at the chamber talking about how can they work closely with this Workforce Innovation Center. Audrey Treasure is the executive director we recruited to run it. She's off to a really strong start. And um, yeah, the more the merrier. This is one is, as I said, when this is just the way we do things here, it's victory for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dialogue a little bit about an inclusive region and what this, you know, a lot of our listeners, some of our greatest episodes from a terms of numbers where almost thousands of people have listened, have included topics with Dr. Karen Bankston, mm -hmm. Beth Giglio from 8451. Sure. We also have had some really good conversations around this regional communications with Julie Calvert mm -hmm. and the impact of community brand. And, you know, I feel like our region is known and will continue to be known as an inclusive region that, as I would say, values and loves all people and helps people, serves people well. Shaquilla Ahmed and myself, we had a previous episode that I love. The theme that came out of that was knowing your neighbor and valuing your neighbor. And again, I always say, and going so far to say, and loving your neighbor yep. well. And so can we talk a little bit about the work and the energy and the passion from you to make sure this community is known as a global leader in inclusion and relationships with all people? Yeah, I could talk about that all day long. We've touched on part of it with inclusive capitalism and getting more businesses involved, but the real heart and soul of everything that drives an economy is people period. And when you think about big business and small business and what does business want, business is people. And we need people in business. We need people in government. We need people in every aspect of our community to make sure that this is a community really where anybody can thrive. And one of the things as you know, that surprises people and will surprise them less and less as Cincinnati continues to get this national attention for everything that our region does have to offer. But we have a global footprint like no other for a community. We're an MSA of 2.2 million people, roughly. The global footprint that we have is crazy. Mm -hmm. And so how do we take that and make sure that the global footprint is not limited to those global corporations, but becomes part and parcel of who we are. And there are things that we do very well in our community. One of those is when we mobilize around something that needs to get done, we knock it out of the ballpark. It's one of the strengths. It separates us from any competitors across the country. When I'm talking with counterparts in other areas of the country, they know it about our community and they're envious. So when we look at these big opportunities that we must get right, if we will continue to thrive and grow, inclusion at its purest form, which means everybody feels at home here, is what we have to get right. We have a commitment at the Cincinnati Regional Chamber that we will model inclusion and regional thinking in everything that we do. And what that has meant for us is building an organization that is not only more diverse, pause, but is inclusive. And we are just relentless 
enforcing the issue and talking about what does inclusion mean. Mm. Diversity is something anybody, any organization, any community can do. You can be diverse. That does not mean you're being inclusive. And too much of our focus to date has been on diversity. But now what do we do? The question, what do you do, is you get to know people for people. And that takes hard work, and it takes commitment, and it really takes pushing everybody out of their comfort zone. So we are doing things like the Diverse by Design programs that the whole platform that the Chamber's been leading since before I came to the Chamber is a great platform. What we've done since then is added on some pieces to really focus on the inclusion part. So insights and inclusion, if you are an employer and you would like to employ individuals with different abilities, what do I need to know? How do I do this? So making those pieces accessible. Two other specifics, Cincinnati Compass, which is our region's welcoming initiative for foreign-born immigrants, people who were born on soil other than the U.S. who now are in our region to make it home. We need to really reach out our arms and welcome some of those folks in different ways. The one thing I will say about our region, even as I love it as I do, we are still far too segregated. We have different communities and our wonderful neighborhoods and parts thereof are both our strength as well as our challenge. Mm -hmm. And so we all need to learn how to push outside of our comfort zones, have dinner, have relationships, go on outings, tackle projects with people who are so unlike you that you can't even believe you have something in common with them. And guess what? You do. Mm. We launched a program. The last one I want to tell you about is called Cultural Competency for Leaders. We did two pilots external with collections of people from various different parts of the community. And then we did an internal pilot of a group of people at the chamber. And it's forcing people to acknowledge and learn about their own implicit bias and then learn and understand how they can move beyond, how they can acknowledge they have a bias, but then work through it to move their own competency on the, there's a scale we use, it's called the IDI scale, that tells you where are you in this whole conversation of having bias and learning how to work through it. Hmm. It is a phenomenal program because of the conversation that it doesn't force people to have, but kind of forces people to have, and they have it, and it moves people in this whole spectrum of how inclusive am I actually being? Yeah. We're taking it to scale mm-hmm. in the second half of 2019. So stay tuned, because that's one thing that if the more of those kinds of conversations we can include more people across the community— the more inclusive we will become because we're all just more self-aware and willing to push ourselves outside of comfort. Mm-hmm. So this, Jill, this is an area that the Talent Magnet Institute was built upon. Mm-hmm. One of our key values in this whole theme of, you know, and just speaking that there's really one race and it's the human race. And I'd love you mentioned that you are similarities that you can meet someone who is completely different and you will find similarities in probably five minutes or less if you're open to it. You will find similarities, but here's what I love about the implicit bias conversation and the inclusiveness. We don't have to find similarities. We can appreciate our differences. Our difference, yeah. And I may not even understand why you think the way you do, but I can acknowledge and 
appreciate that you've had a different experience than me and that makes you a different wired person and appreciate you for that. Yeah, absolutely. In episode 19, and one of our faculty members, Dr. Janet Reed, oh. uh, is a faculty member of the She's Talent an Magnet architect Institute. of the Cultural Competency and Program. And she mentioned, if you want to attract top talent and keep them in your organization, you need to understand that diversity is the noun and inclusion is the verb yes. that makes it a reality. Mm-hmm. And we've had several people even comment on that back to us mm-hmm. that – you know, I need to unpack. I've not thought about it that way. We have another faculty member of the Talent Magnet Institute that I believe is involved in quite a bit of this work on building cultural competency, Priya Klosik. Priya has been the facilitator for us from the beginning. Yeah. And Dr. Reed created, alongside Mary Stagman on our team and a host of others, they worked for a few years to really piece together how can you structure conversations for people in a way that gives them meaningful growth, but meaningful trust in one another to really push each other and really get to know people on a different level. Mm-hmm. It's frankly magical what happens over the course of five comings together, I'll call mm-hmm. it, of four hours each. Priya would tell you there's been a tipping point in each of the classes where it starts happening. Yeah, People let their guard down and say, I'm admitting I'm coming to grips with what my biases are, and I'm asking the rest of you to work through it with me. Mm-hmm. It's pretty moving. I participated in the first class, the first pilot. Phenomenal. What That's happens? Wonderful. Yeah, and thank you for your leadership there. You know, this is so important as we look at how to build talent magnet-like organizations where not just you're attracting people, but you're holding on mm-hmm. to them to them. You're investing in them. When they do leave, they look can look back and say, that was one of the best chapters of my career and how thankful I am for having that chapter. And we have built our organization around at the Talent Magnet Institute around leaders who are, we know that if we can invest in organizations more broadly and invest in leadership approaches more broadly, we'll change the world around us. There's no question. One of the most interesting conversations that I had early on in our work at the chamber was an acknowledgement by someone on our team that the most diverse place in this person's world was our office. Hmm. And I bet that's true for lots and lots of people. And so through that lens alone, if nothing else, it is incumbent upon employers to make sure that they're mobilizing that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So if you have people who live in what I call our, we have lots of bubbles. People live in their bubbles, and that's okay as long as you know your bubble is a bubble. Mm-hmm. When people realize that they do and that their workplace is an opportunity for them to expand their horizons, mm-hmm. what we've seen is that not only do you get that growth that makes our community better, it makes your company better, it makes your employees happier, more connected, more productive, more committed to the work that you're trying to do. So it's mm-hmm. not easy work. This is the human race. This is the people stuff. It yeah. can be messy. People get upset. People cry. People shout. But it's all required to get that growth that in the end makes them say, oh, I get it. I can work through this challenge with you now because I'm in tune with a different set of tools that I carry. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Reed put a challenge out to our listeners and episode 19, where she mentioned, look around at your friends, 
the community, the people who convene at your house, the people who show up at the birthday parties for your children, the people who show up at anniversary parties for family members, and how diverse is that audience? One of the things, and I shared with her, I grew up in an inner city school. When you're a child, you don't see differences. And I grew up and my friends all looked different than me, all had different socioeconomic classes, all had different upbringings and their families look different. So therefore, I've just always known, you know, that's, that's that is normal and they're in our world. Mm-hmm. And we've tried to strive with that and have our children, you know, we chose public schools for one of the many reasons. And because my wife and I just grew up in an environment that had cultural diversity. Our kids go to a school where 17 different languages are spoken. And just last week or a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity because I'm in this year's leadership Cincinnati class. Also class 42, which is the number of Jackie Robinson, who um, in high school, I wrote my two and a half year research paper for the International Baccalaureate program I was in was comparing the life and upbringing of Chuck Harmon, first African-American of Cincinnati Red, to Jackie Robinson, number 42. So I have a personal emotional connection to 42. And I joke with Jessica Barron, who's on our team, that, of course— I'm in class 42. It was, it was right? bound to happen. the life was yeah. all laid out for that, yeah. right? I've got Jackie. My favorite quote is, a life is not important except for the impact you have on others mm-hmm. by Jackie Robinson. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all of that to say, in my recent leadership class, we were all in tears leaving Aiken High School because we got to see Principal Vota and her team. We got to sit next to a young woman from Congo a young lady from Syria who is just now experiencing her first ever education. Wow. And a young lady from Nepal that they're all leaders. And oh, by the way, the young lady from Congo sitting next to me has never been taught English until a year and a half ago. Yeah. I'm getting and, the chills listening to and you the say this. Impact it's, yeah, of it's incredible. Vote, you know, Vota's leadership mm-hmm. in education that she's having on children and kids and young adults, the world impact. This shows in terms of the area of an immigration and refugee community that you can be safe here. Yes. And we're going to do everything we can to protect that. We as employers and as adults who may have children or grandchildren or have neighborhood kids that look up to you because you're a business owner or you're a sales manager at XYZ organization and you're employed and you're an adult, you have an opportunity to help them as young children value differences, value similarities. And, um, and you know, in, and include them. And include them. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I think where too many of us still don't finish that sentence, is that we say, oh, look at this. We have all of these wonderful young ladies from around the world here, period. Mm-hmm. No, they're here. Now's our opportunity to pull them in and help and engage and grow. And it's not just give them an education. It's let them be your neighbor. Invite them to your breakfast table. Take them to you know, a play. Spend time with them and know them and mm. let them know you so that everybody's perspective grows mm. and they feel like they're really a part and they're not just here for a reason. Yeah. Well, let's let that be a challenge for this episode. I'm right there with it. The more the merrier. In addition to this scaling this cultural competency program, we are also launching through this alumni network that you will soon be part of our leadership alumni network, more of these hand-to-hand 
who's at your dinner table? Mm-hmm. Can we create more one-on-one coming together with other people who are not necessarily the people you generally call to say, come on over and have dinner with me. Mm. They will be structured to make sure that people have a wide variety of people around their dinner Mm. tables. That's excellent. That's excellent. So yes, we want to challenge all of you. Jill and I have a challenge for you to engage in our community and engage in ways that make you feel uncomfortable so that when you're there, you can realize, well, I've spent 15 years being concerned or fearful about engaging in conversation. And look how easy it is. There's a a lot to learn if you do push yourself just outside your comfort zone. Yes. It's a responsibility of all of us, and it makes the world far more interesting. So there could be a selfish motivator, too, there. It's a lot more fun when you're engaged in more pieces of what's happening around you. Yeah, Jill, thank you so much for joining us in this episode. Thank you for having me. And thank you for your leadership, your friendship, and all that you and your team and your board and our community are doing to make this a great place to live, work, and play. Likewise, Mike. Thank you. People talk, and not just about your products and services. Professionals share information about what it's like to work for you. So do you have brand detractors or brand ambassadors? Go to talentmagnetinstitute.com slash brand ambassadors to learn more. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine and myself, your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.